0: Ah. 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 Joe Steck tells us about plausible science fiction.
1: I publish a magazine called Compelling Science Fiction. It's focused on plausible science fiction. And I say plausible because in the past, I said that we focused on hard science fiction, but that actually has a lot of semantic cruft that has sort of built up over the years. Different people um, think about hard science fiction uh, differently. And so plausible science fiction, I think, is a more descriptive term for what we do. And We also look for uh, more positive stories, less dystopic stories, um, but that's only because uh, there seems to be a lot of dystopian fiction in the market right now. In my mind, um, they're very similar, uh, but I think that... uh, A lot of people have kind of differing opinions about what hard science fiction means. And that's kind of why I've been shying away from that term a little bit because there are sort of standard arguments like, well, hard science fiction doesn't, shouldn't include faster than light travel, for instance. I don't really have that big of a a deal with faster than light travel as long as it's kind of not central to the story and not inconsistent with the universe that's being created in the story. So I don't have as hard and fast rules around what is plausible science fiction and what is not, as some people put around hard science fiction. And I think that sort of because of that, plausible science fiction is all about being self-consistent in the universe you make and also uh, not pulling out too much technological magic.
0: So, if we think about a couple uh, classic examples, there's like Star Wars versus Star Trek, um, mm-hmm. and Star Trek has faster than light, uh, with some explanation about that, and Star Wars probably has an explanation. Actually, they they never discuss it; they just do it. And uh, <laughs> I think I think most people uh, have a. Uh, I don't think George Lucas makes an attempt to. He's just making it a fun to enjoy movie, and uh, he's not putting any rigor on trying to make it look very, uh, how do I say, explained? Yeah. I, uh, I in a sense I think that might be a tough case for you because in a sense that w- was probably consistent with his worldview, but it's a very flexible worldview uh, <laughs> where where Star Trek's very like oh no we, we you know if it if it follows the laws of physics w- we're good if it doesn't follow the laws of physics we have to explain that and and so at least it, it, it attempts to create a, a fictional explanation or maybe somewhat based on fact or something like that.
1: Yeah, and and I think. Um you know, Star Wars is, is a good example of the complete opposite of what what I'm looking for, not just because it has a faster than light travel. That's fine. That's a that's a plot device that that you can incorporate into your story. It sort of blatantly doesn't make sense. Right. Like a lot of you have these kind of advanced AI systems in robots, and yet you have robots that, that cannot shoot and hit anything worth a darn, or, or uh, you have gravity systems that, that work uh, sort of very bizarrely. One of the most recent Star Wars, I think it was the the Rogue One, there was dreadnoughts in space that had to kind of uh, get over their target and drop bombs uh, right. like they were in a gravity well, but, but That's they're... True. <laughs> you know, just, it wouldn't, when, when you point. look I at it, that,
0: that, that, that there's, he's such a good entertainer. My brain's turned off at that point. The rational <laughs> mind's not thinking, but you just, you just like struck up on something that I completely <laughs> let him gloss you know, over. Or,
1: <laughs> exactly. And, and, or things like ramming your, your ship at, at light speed into, into another ship, right? If that was if, if that is part of the universe, right, why don't they have missiles that just do that, light speed missiles, right? When you look at a, a story like that, it's all about raw emotion, right? The the entire story is written around raw emotion. And unless you suspend your disbelief, nothing else about the world makes sense. And that's sort of what I'm trying to avoid. I mean, it's enjoyable and I like it. It's just not what we're looking for. Uh...
0: Analog's out there too. Are you roughly, would you consider yourself say, Hey, if, if you're going to submit snor- stories to analog, they would probably fit in my magazine as well. Or, or, or do you feel like there's a difference between you and analog?
1: You know, I think that analog does, uh, a lot of the things that I am sort of trying to do. They're a very admirable magazine. Uh, I think that, um, Trevor and I, uh, Trevor the the editor there over at Analog have just slightly different taste and in that way there's a there's a pretty strong differentiation but sort of at the macro level I think a lot of what we're trying to do is similar And I guess the 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 last thing that I would point out is that I really enjoy finding new authors, uh, who are writing the type of science fiction that I really enjoy reading. That's one of the reasons that I started the magazine is to encourage new authors that are writing the type of science fiction that I enjoy. For instance, Pip Cohen is an author in London. He, uh, recently was a finalist for the WSFA Small Press Award out in Washington, D.C. Compelling Science Fiction published his first story, and I really enjoy uh, when, when the magazine can make a difference like that.
0: Ah, congratulations. Next episode, we talk about the brains behind Compelling Science
1: Fiction testament to to the types of stories those types of scientists and engineers are interested in the magazine